Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And not all player development means purely minor league stuff. Sometimes players develop at the major league level. And that's my starting point today. I had started this podcast three, four minutes ago. Then I realized partway through, there's a bit of information I needed to look up. And I figured, you know what? I'm going to restart the podcast after I look up the information. And I'm going to give you four player ages. I'm I'm uh, basically age agnostic when it comes to baseball player ages. If a player is useful, then it's fantastic. I don't care if he's 31 years old or 32 years old, 37 years old or 21 years old or 19 years old or 23. If the player is playing well, if he's being productive, if he's not being a jag bag, I'm generally going to cut him slack. So I'm going to give you three player ages because I was already looking up ages. So I figured I'd look up all three of these ages just so I could be on record as far as what those players' ages were. Patrick Wisdom is 30. He turned 30 about a week ago. Frank Schwindel, 29 years old and 66 days as of Friday. Jake Marisnik, 30 years old, 0.157. You can be a huge fan of Jake Marisnik. You can be a huge opponent of Jake Marisnik. You can be Newman to Seinfeld regarding Jake Marisnik. It doesn't matter. Jake Marisnik, 30 years old. When 30 years old, he was traded to the Padres for Anderson Espinoza, who at one point was the Padres' top prospect before injuries. Jake Marisnik has value. This was proven by him being traded for Anderson Espinoza. Frank Schwindel, you can argue if he has value. Patrick Wisdom, you can argue if he has value. I would imagine if the Cubs were to open up trade discussions for either Schwindel or Wisdom, just hypothetically, not saying it'll happen, but you know, there, there would probably be some teams willing to offer something of value to get either Frank Schwindel or Patrick Wisdom. Why? Because they are being relatively productive. Now, it was fun talking about Marisnik, Schwindel, and Wisdom, but they're not who I'm talking about. They're not the subject today. They're not the topic today. The topic today is Michael Hermosillo. Michael Hermosillo is as entrenched into the center column of my Cubs 40-man roster. 46 players on the 40-man roster. What do I have? 25? 25 on the left, 8 on the right, 13 in the center. And nobody is more in the center of the center than Jake Marisnik. At the end of the year, I could very easily say Jake Marisnik should be non-tendered. Would not kill me. Would not injure me. Would not do anything of any significance if I say at the end of the year, 
hey, it was nice, it was cool, it was fun, he had some, it was a nice story, it was a nice run, but he should be non-tendered. Would be very easy to say that. However, today, um, he actually has four hits and three at-bats. <laughs> he has two doubles, a single, and a home run in three at-bats. How can you do that? One of the doubles was changed to a single. But it was originally a double, then it was a single. So he has four hits and three at-bats. Yeah, you go figure. Okay, the question for this podcast is, what if Jake, or what, what if Michael Hermosillo is moderately legitimate? I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he will be. I'm not saying he deserves a 40-man roster spot. I'm not saying he does not deserve a 40-man roster spot. He is still center column. However, if Michael Hermosillo continues to hit as he did um, today for much of the rest of the season, it would be very tempting to keep Michael Hermosillo around for 2022. And at some point, looking at the players on the Cubs 40-man roster now, the Cubs the Cubs roster right now, the Cubs are not a bad team now. It, it, I, I just, that was a realization, let's see, my clock says 310, so that means it's like 308, 307. That was a thought of mine at about, oh, 20 minutes to three. This is not a bad Cubs team right now. And if Wilson Contreras were to be added to the roster, it would be an even better team. For a stretch, the Cubs were a horrible team. Part of it was they were tending to get behind and the secondary pitchers were sent in and some of the secondary pitchers were getting shredded. Now... Um, Rowan Wick is getting used. The uh, Manny Rodriguez and Cody Hoyer thing seems to be working. David Ross is prioritizing his bullpen as a manager generally prioritizes his bullpen. He knows who are the guys that he wants to use in the close games. He has the Adam Morgan thing where when it's two lefties, I'm going to bring in Adam Morgan, let him face them. He, David Ross is generally figuring out his team. This is not a horrible team now, in large part because Frank Schwindel is hitting the hell out of the ball. Patrick Wisdom is still hitting a whole bunch of home runs. Rafael Ortega is hitting right-handed pitching. Michael Hermosillo is hitting left-handed pitching. This isn't a terrible team. Ian Happ starting to hit. This is not a terrible team. When I say terrible team, what I generally mean, whichever the sport, you're dealing with Major League Baseball, a 30-team league. NFL, 32-team league. NBA, however the heck many teams they have. I don't even know. Baseball, there are 30 teams in a league. You're not going to have... 24 horrible teams. You're not. You're not going to have 24 horrible teams. What you're going to have is five or six teams up toward the top. Maybe two or three of those five or six are above the others. Yeah, you're going to have five or six teams. Yeah, those are probably the best five or six teams. 
Then you're going to have some teams down at the very, very bottom who are absolutely atrocious like the Pirates. They are absolutely terrible. Absolutely hopeless. Then you have teams who are a little bit above or below. And you have a whole bunch of teams that are mediocre. That's like if you have a team that's playing um, 5-10 baseball, 5-10 baseball, whichever year, whichever year, whichever season, uh, whoever the manager is, whoever the whatever the home park is, doesn't matter. You have a team that's playing 5-10 baseball, or you have a team that's playing 487 baseball. Either one, either one, either one. There's a word for that. Mediocre. They are a mediocre team. If you are about a 500 team, whatever the sport, almost certainly you are a mediocre team. Mediocre. Move all those mediocre teams out. Move out all the elite teams. You have significantly less than 30 teams now. The Cubs are not a terrible team. They are an ordinary team. They're not going to contend. But they have enough things that are interesting enough to watch if you're going to want to watch. To watch if there's nothing else on, you absolutely have to watch baseball. Michael Hermosillo is doing well now, especially against left-handed pitching. If Michael Hermosillo continues to do well down the stretch, if Michael Hermosillo continues to do well down the stretch, and all of a sudden you are keeping six outfielders on the 40-man roster, which could happen. They're not letting go of Alexander Canario. I doubt they are letting go of Greg Dykeman. Ian Happ. There's arguments there. Jason Hayward, he's not going anywhere, at least until after the collective bargaining agreement is signed. Michael Hermosillo and Rafael Ortega. Those are six. Any of the six, it could be all of the six, are being retained. The important question to start with is, should this player have a 40-man roster spot over the offseason? Should Because if a player ought to have a 40-man roster spot over the offseason, and the Cubs decide, nope, we're going to non-tender this player because reasons, then that kind of looks a little bit silly when someone else claims him and he does as well or better next season with a team that's not the Cubs. And the Cubs are like, well, why didn't you keep him? And people would possibly argue, well, we didn't have enough spot on the roster. We just, you know, we had we had the other guys. We had Hap, we had Hayward, we had Dykeman, we had Canario, so we weren't going to keep the other two guys. Um, I could hear that argument being made. I could hear that argument being made. But doesn't make a lot of sense. Really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. At some point, the question is not. Do we have too many mediocre outfielders on the 40-man roster? Which, frankly, might well be the case. Jason Hayward is who Jason Hayward is. Ian Happ, right now, rather mediocre. Greg Dykeman, still developing. Michael Hermosillo, Rafael Ortega, whatever words you want to use on them. 
But the question is, should this player be retained on the 40-man roster? Don't get ahead of yourself. If it ends up getting to the point where November names are submitted for the 40-man roster for um, Rule 5 protection, the guys that are retained that are retained, the guys that are added are added, the guys that are eligible for the 40-man roster are eligible for the 40-man roster. It is permitted to make trades. It is permitted to make trades. In some, some situations, you almost might expect it. You almost might expect trades. Don't know if I'm going to say that with the Cubs. But you almost might expect trades in some instances. What instances would you expect trades? Well, I'll say the New York Mets. The Mets are going to have to do something this offseason. They're going to have, I don't know what it's going to be, but the Mets are going to have to do something this offseason because there's just a whole lot of not right going on there. And I don't know how to put it better. There's a whole lot of not right going on there. And there ought to be some changes being made by the Mets. What sorts of trades? Not entire, or What sorts of moves? I'm not exactly sure. Will there be trades? Very possibly. But it is very possible the Mets will be interested in making some trades. J- j- just leaving it that. It's very possible the New York Mets might be interested in making some trades. Full stop. Now, as I look at the Cubs outfield on their current 40-man roster, Alexander Canario, Greg Dykeman, Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, Rafael Ortega, Michael Hermosillo. Let's just assume now until the end of the year, all six of them are retained on the 40-man roster. They all do what's necessary to prove, etc., 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 blah, 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 blah. And you get teams who are at a point where, you know, we're kind of maximized in our spending. Maximized in our spending. And we'd like to have a player who is usable on the major league roster. Usable. Not a superstar. Not elite. But usable on the major league roster. And inexpensive. Usable, inexpensive, and maybe even somewhat versatile. Is it possible there might be some team that might be interested in a player like that in the offseason? Inexpensive, useful, and versatile. Would it be possible? We're looking at DH across the board next year. After the collective bargaining agreement is assigned, is signed, not assigned, um, probably DH across the board. So as far as having National League teams needing to have 
you know, four or five middle infielders available because, well, you have to have the extra shortstop because in case your shortstop's injured and then you have the other shortstop and then you double switch and you have to have another shortstop. Don't have to worry about that. That that goes away. You're, that, you're basically, especially for 2022, especially for the Cubs, you're looking at your 40-man roster first and foremost. Get the 40-man roster decisions proper. Keep the guys that ought to be retained. If there are players that shouldn't be retained, non-tender them. Then, after that, you start to consider what other teams ought to possibly might be doing. I'm not a Mets fan. I'm not a Mets fan. I've listened to some Mets games here and there. It sounds like they are a bit at a loss defensively in the outfield. Dom Smith in left field is a travesty when it comes to throwing the ball. He's terrible at it. Ground ball base hit to Dominic Smith, you might as well send a pitcher because Dominic Smith, he, he he's slow releasing the ball. The ball is going wherever the heck it's going and it probably won't get there in time anyway. My idea with the Mets, but more specifically, more specifically, more specifically with the Chicago Cubs. If you have a player that is usable, that is inexpensive, that has a degree of versatility, probably ought to keep him. Probably ought to keep him. So the Cubs end up walking into the offseason with six outfielders. And you and I know the Cubs probably shouldn't have six outfielders on the, I don't know, January, February, 40-man roster in the outfield because Dykeman may or may not play much next year. Canario's not going to play much next year. Hap, Hayward, then you have Hermosillo and Ortega. Five would probably make more sense. But unless you really want to DFA someone, or non-tender someone, not DFA, unless you want to really non-tender somebody, doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense. So here's my idea. Here's my idea. If it gets to the point where all six of those players Justify 40-man roster spots. And yes, Jason Hayward's going to be one whether he's justified it or not in your universe. If Michael Hermosillo plays his ass off in September and justifies a 40-man roster spot, give him a 40-man roster spot and trade Rafael Ortega. Trade Rafael Ortega. Because... Rafael Ortega has had a decent enough year. Right now, he looks like that kind of guy that could be a decent fourth or fifth outfielder on a decent team. Rafael Ortega could be a decent outfielder, fourth or fifth outfielder, on a decent team, especially since he makes about nothing. Trading Rafael Ortega in the offseason. If the Cubs get to a situation where, oh my God, we need to create a 40-man roster spot somehow. Rafael Ortega. Rafael Ortega should 
betrayable to somebody, to somebody. Mets, maybe. I, I, I don't know. You know you, you, I don't know which team would be specifically looking for a player like Rafael Ortega, but the Mets have had um, Albert Elmora on their roster. The Mets had Janeshwi Fargus on their roster. Mets have had a lot of injuries and da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Rafael Ortega is not a bad player. Rafael Ortega is a usable player, especially in a DH environment. Left-handed hitter, hits right-handed pitching, good runner, not terrible defensively. Ortega makes sense. If Michael Hermosillo earns a 40-man roster spot this offseason, give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. And at some point, look to make trades in the offseason. Now, who end up being involved in those trades? I don't know. My my eye keeps focusing on Dylan Maples. I don't know if there's a way that a Dylan Maples trade can be made, but I would rather keep Dylan Maples and trade him than non-tender him, even if the return is very mute. Even if the return is very minimal, I'd rather trade Dylan Maples in the offseason than non-tender him if the option exists. Does the option exist? Is there a team that would offer quality at all, even remotely? Um, a 45th prospect for Dylan Maples? I don't know how that would work out. It would work a whole lot better if you could trade for draft picks and teams were willing to trade a 19th round draft pick for Dylan Maples, but we can't do that yet. That is not permitted yet. But as far as Rafael Ortega, he represents a guy that ought to have a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. And he represents a guy that ought to have a 40-man roster spot over the offseason because if he was made available, other teams would be interested in taking him for league minimum. Players that make league minimum that are actually doing rather well ought to be retained. If Michael Hermosillo, down the stretch in September, represents that he ends up looking like a player that deserves a 40-man roster spot, and adding Hermosillo would kick the Cubs up to like 37 on their 40-man roster walking into the offseason. Eh, offseason plus the uh, November thing. So yeah, if if, if Hermes, adding Hermosillo sends the Cubs up to 37 on the 10th of December on the 40-man roster, I'm good with it if he earns it. If he earns it, if he deserves it, if he shows he ought to have it, let him have it. The joy of the 2021 Cubs season the last two months is, hey guys, this is your chance. Prove you belong. Patrick Wisdom, go out there, show us. Do you belong? He shows, yeah, he kind of belongs. Rafael Ortega, yeah, he kind of shows he belongs. Frank Schwindel, yeah, he kind of shows he belongs. Ryan Meisinger, well, the Dodgers are still interested in him. Um, give the players a chance, and if they represent, give them a roster spot. This offseason is going to be a joke anyway. And having a player like a Rafael Ortega or a Michael Hermosillo or whoever it ends up being, 
it's not going to puncture anything that the Cubs would have otherwise done. If it ends up being a situation where the Cubs really have their heart set on, for instance, trading for or acquiring in the offseason Kyle Schwarber. It's a popular popular thing these days too. The Cubs ought to bring back Kyle Schwarber and put him in left field. Okay, fine. Cool. Whatever. If it ends up being a situation where the Cubs are going to sign Kyle Schwarber to play in left field, okay, fine, whatever. Gets to that point, then if that's going to put the team over the 40-man limit before the trade before Schwarber is signed, so you don't have to designate anyone for assignment and put a pin in their value. Trade Ian Happ. Trade Michael Hermosillo. Or trade Rafael Ortega. Find a way. Find someone. Because if a player is representing that they deserve a 40-man roster spot, they should get one. And the reason they should is because if they have shown that they deserve a 40-man roster spot and they show they have earned a 40-man roster spot, somebody else is going to agree. After all, the Dodgers claim Brian Meisinger and Jake Jewell. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great day. And I guess it's about time to go see if Michael Hermosillo has that cycle yet.